Hello, friends, and welcome to the Dimension of Our Midnight Cake, a weekly transmission from the Nexus of Realities. I'm Soltis, and joining me are my friends and fellow transdimensional beings, Beaches. This was not the speed racer I remembered seeing in the IMAX. <laughs> Lumberdor. Insert clever intro here. <laughs> and Doug. Guys, let's get the blip out of here. And I need you to actually put a <laughs> over that, please. Okay, thanks. Will do. Last year, in preparation for Halloween, we thought that it would be fun to do a four-part mini-series of movie recommendations where we would each take turns to suggest a movie that we thought people might enjoy for Halloween. And since we had so much fun, we thought that we would do the same thing again this year. Starting us off for the first transmission of October is a suggestion from Doug. The Autopsy of Jane Doe is a 2016 supernatural horror film directed by Andre Overdahl. It stars Emil Hirsch and Brian Cox as father and son coroners who experience supernatural phenomena while examining the body of an unidentified woman, played by Olin Kelly. It is Overdahl's first English-language film. After his movie Troll Hunter was such a success, Overdahl stated that he wanted to, quote-unquote, prove something, specifically that he could do more than found-footage-style films. The Conjuring proved to be a spark of inspiration for Overdahl, and he said, quote, it was such a classical horror movie that came at a time where all these movies had tried to do all kinds of different stuff, and then suddenly, it was like getting back to basics, unquote. After watching the film, Overdahl told his agency he wanted to find a pure horror script, which resulted in being sent autopsy. The script had previously appeared on the annual Blacklist. Martin Sheen was initially cast as Tommy, but pulled out. And although there are some prosthetics used, the role of the corpse, for the most part, was played by actress Olin Kelly. Overdahl felt that it was necessary to have an actress for the part to help connect the audience on a human level. On some level, the decision was also a practical one as Overdahl believes that doing some of the close-up scenes with the prosthetic would have been impossible. Overdahl said that Kelly had the most difficult role in the film and he credited her with making everyone else comfortable on the set. Kelly was the first person interviewed for the role. Overdahl said they performed further interviews afterward, but he instantly knew she was right. And one of the reasons she was selected was her knowledge of yoga, which helped her control her body and breathing. The production, filmed at Home Farm in Selling, Kent, which doubled as the exterior and kitchen of the Tilden family home. The autopsy of Jane Doe is 86 minutes long. I am unsure of the budget, but it did make $6 million at the box office. If you enjoy our discussions and would like to contribute or get in contact with us, consider visiting our website at ourbidnightcake.com, liking, subscribing, and sharing the transmission with your friends. For next week, we will be discussing a suggestion from Beaches, the 2013 American supernatural psychological horror film, Oculus. If you guys rag on me five, six more times, <laughs> 13, more times. <laughs> 13 or 14 more times. <laughs> so what most horror movies are, right? It's like, yeah. look, if 10, 20 more scary, unexplainable things happen, I'm going. <laughs> but in this movie, Brian Cox is just like, let's just get the frick out of here. Forget it. Yeah. I love it. Not at first, though. 
it takes, I think, a believable amount of weird stuff. I mean, if you're used to working in a morgue, you've built up some sort of a a defense against uh, creepiness, I think. (laughs) That's very true. All the lights explode. All the dead people drawers are open. Let's go. We're out of here. And there was the premise of a, a major storm which yes. sometimes causes the radio, I guess, to suddenly come on to the creepiest song. <laughs> <laughs> so, Doug, this was your suggestion. And yes. I love these kinds of movies. I was pleasantly surprised by this film. Why, why was this the suggestion for you? Sure. As yeah, to you, any other. You know, there's a few movie. things I really like about it. It's almost like two movies. There's really like this slow burn kind of thing, which I like a slow build, but they do it in a way that doesn't bore you. Yeah. Um, and then it like shifts gears and like blows your mind and is legitimately creepy. I feel like there's some legitimately creepy stuff, but I also like it when a movie has like a mystery element. It's really almost like a mystery movie for a big part yeah. of it. They're trying to figure out what is going on. Why is this person here? What happened to her? And actually, I think it has a good payoff. Like, I think there's too many like movies that are just super bizarre that you never get a good payoff. It just stays vague. But then there are some that they explain too much. I think it's one of those movies where you keep sitting there like, what the heck is going on? And they give you just enough for it to be like satisfying without like overdoing it. I also like it when a movie is like a single location. I think that's an interesting challenge. Mm, Yeah. And also I really like the cast too. I mean, even like, you know, I like Brian Cox, but I even, you know, I like the sheriff. I like the girlfriend. I think everybody is really solid. This is one I like to recommend to people that maybe haven't seen like an original, legitimately creepy, kind of keep you guessing kind of horror movie. The premise is very interesting. I, I like to think that in the beginning, there was a bet between someone that they could make a film where the antagonist was a naked girl from start to finish. <laughs> Who did absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just lie there. <laughs> well, and that's, she kind of wolverine herself at times, but you know. That, that's something so else. Feeling, she but. is... <laughs> It's super impressive. I mean, it's a very bold, impressive kind of performance from her or someone that has oh no, yeah. no dialogue and has to lay still. Like she um, apparently is like a yoga and meditation practitioner. Do you think her audition was finding out whether or not she could wiggle that single toe by itself? I guess so, you know. <laughs> oh, I mean, we'll there's, that. there's times where she can't, she can't blink. There's times where she has to hide her breathing. I mean, that's it's, always something that's amused me whenever there have been you know, corpses portrayed in TV shows or movies. I always look at them to see if they're moving or breathing. Sometimes yeah. they are. And, it's, and it, it takes you. Why do you do that? You're just setting yourself up for, for disappointment. I was like, OK, it's like, <laughs> there's even things like <laughs> when they open her mouth, you know, when they open her mouth, she leaves yeah, her jaw they're, they're open. Like, interacting with the body it isn't just yeah. like she's there doing nothing but they're you know picking up her arm moving her wrist around i can't imagine what that must have been like for head. her i wonder with those contacts i'm assuming there were contacts they had in mm, through about the half the film eyes. but she, she probably couldn't even see that well yeah probably not uh but that's an and it's interesting too to me how they they'll keep the body the body will be out of focus or the body will be in the background or It'll be centered on, you know, um, Austin and Tommy, and it's just her head at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. Uh, like some of the angles and the way they do stuff. It's like she's always like 
kind of this presence that's there, but she's almost not the focal point in, in a lot of the shots. Like I, I, I just, I like the way they treat it. I think it's interesting. I think it's something kind of different. And the set is also appropriately creepy. You know, oh, you have to love yeah. that it's like generational, right? So it's- Yeah, generational yeah. morgue that, that's been added on to over the years and has its own crematorium and- you No, know, he has to flick the light when he walks down the hall. To the get first thing that, that got me was the, was the mirror at the corner of the, the hallway. Like, yes. oh, that's that's going to be something scary later. I know it. There's going to be something scary in that mirror, and he's going to do a double take. You get the cross <laughs> between two, I think, pretty standard um, uh, horror locations, the medical facility and the yeah. haunted house. Yeah. yeah. All in one there. That's a which, good point. Which is great. I like what you said there, Lumberdor, too, with, like, they kept showing that mirror at the beginning, or they had the cat yeah. in the vents, you know, and there are these payoffs, right? Even things, when they play yeah. the prank on the girlfriend with jingling the bell. I love yep. the bell thing. Yep. Like there's all this like setup and payoff in this movie too, where like all you need to do is hear a little bell ring. That bothered me <laughs> actually. The bell? You didn't like the bell? Yeah. Because it's just on it's just on that one body. Mm. And I'm assuming he talked about being a traditionalist. So he probably just has one bell that he keeps. You know, it's it's not a thing that really has to be done. Oh, no, de- point, definitely not. It definitely does not. At what point that, does but... a corpse get its bell, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I just know I'm going to get my bell. Like, the, the thing, too, is like the face is covered and they don't uncover it. So then yeah. when they find the cloth in the hallway, you're like, oh, crap, you know? <laughs> yes, that's, that's a great way to build tension with mm-hmm. establishing something previous. Um, the, the same, too, with makeup the, the was axe, fantastic on the, the corpses. The hole in the door with oh, the yeah, axe ridiculous. and just showing the stitching. Um, that they had mm. focused on earlier. That the was face sewn together. Too. Yep. Yeah. I thought I was in to complain about the dialogue a little bit when um, they first cut into her and you got the line about they're not supposed to bleed like that. And I wondered why is he explaining this to his dad who knows this? But mm. I guess he was still learning though and still they are observing. Things. They are observing things that are going on. You know, I I like the um. The relationship between the two of them too yeah it, it seems I, I, familial yeah you know there's there's sort How of, many of these movies do you have where the son actually does blow off the girlfriend to hang out with his dad in the morning? yeah <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> yeah there's there's an interesting kind of like it's like he wants to go he doesn't want to stay and do this but there's like this like love and warmth that he has toward his father i think that's nice too and it also sets up something to kind of dread because you you know at some point the girlfriend is coming back yeah something's mm-hmm. something's going down <laughs> but it wasn't when i expected like her to show up when when the reveal finally happened and i thought the placement oh. of that was good they did that well because it could have easily been um foreseeable yeah you could it could have been like i i know what's about to happen right Let's see, but but yeah, we we open with the crime scene. They don't understand how all these people are dead because it doesn't look like anyone broke in, and they find this body buried in the dirt. Right, like that's the setup. I like the dad's rules. Um, you know, we uh, we're not worried about anything that they can't see right here. You know, they're not worried about the why, but the how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are not uh, crime scene investigators. Yeah, and they established early that he's very good at this. I liked how they did that, where he's like quizzing the son. 
I mean, immediately they establish like he's someone everybody wants to be doing this. They come to him. His family's done it forever. He's probably done this since he was super young. I like that at the outset before they get this thing that's like completely perplexing. Like you believe it's it helps establish the believability of like this is really weird. You know, aside from all the strange things they find. With him being an expert and being perplexed by all these oddities for this body. It it's it's a mystery to a him. That just adds to mm-hmm. the whole mystery of the movie. And I actually listed off all the weird things about the body when we get there. I kept a list. Oh, no. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Doug, you were talking about the opening crime scene. Mm-hmm. It's just it's this bizarre slaughter inside this family home. Like you mentioned, nothing doesn't look like there's any sign of a break-in. I did have a problem with the exposition by the deputy when she was talking mm-hmm. with the sheriff and how she she said that it seems to me like they were trying to break out. But yeah. from what I was shown with the camera and what they were doing, I didn't see anything like that. I don't know how, how she came to that conclusion. Yeah, it, it's more um, about that all these people are dead than like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. and there, there wasn't any indication that they were trying to get out of the house but they need that to be established for later yeah i thought that was kind of clunky and then you get to the weird part in this basement <laughs> it's just this yes. partially buried woman in the dirt basement of this house yeah and she oh, and she looks so this? pristine she's not she's yeah, not yeah. bruised up i'd say a very strategically half buried lady <laughs> yeah, right right <laughs> I, I would pick the movie with just tons of Nudity, wouldn't I? Jeez, oh, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, it's more like a, a model for a figure drawing class than yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah, like it is. It, it's it's definitely not sexualized or gratuitous like that at all. Um, it's uh, it's <laughs> clinical. It's very cl- yeah, right. It's, oh, it's yeah. Very, clinical. <laughs> very clinical. Okay, so so they get her in there. Sheriff's perplexed. Find out what's going on. And they just start to notice weird stuff right away. And the mystery, according to the sheriff, is is the girl, right? And he says that's, yeah, right. that's the that's He's like, the I can't make can't, sense of this. Yeah, he can't fit. You know, and it's like her body isn't stiff. Her wrists and her ankles are sh- completely shattered, but there's no bruising. They found peat under her toenails and in her hair, which is not in that region. Her tongue has been ripped out, not like cut or anything, ripped out. They found twine in her throat. Yep. They found cuts inside her groin. Um, she gushed the blood when they cut her open, like you guys said. Her lungs are blackened. Her organs are cut. But again, there's nothing on the outside of her body that's Scar messed up. Scar tissue on the organs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by everything they find, in, oh, they find the Jimson weed inside her digestive tract, which is like, um, what was that? Like the paralyzed? Paralytic. Uh-huh. They find a tooth wrapped in a like a burial shroud with weird writing on it, which was her too. Down her, also in like her digestive tract. Um, so basically, it's like everything about what they find inside her indicates that she was just tied up and stabbed and burned, tortured in every way possible. Yeah, and. You know, I believe the word the son uses is it looks like human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she looks totally normal on the outside. So wondering in like a real autopsy like that, where they get to a point um, where you're saying, okay, I don't believe, you know, scientifically in Satan, but 
this is a satanic ritual. That's what I'm looking at here. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Lumberdor, you also mentioned that after they get her cut open and they're starting to do the internal investigation, they end up removing the connective tissue from her skin yeah. and peeling it back. And then there are these, there are more sigils and things tattooed on the mm. underside of her skin. That was just kind of brilliant because that's, I mean, that's something you're not going to expect. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> and I would never have expected that. Is that like she's tattooed, but that doesn't show externally too? Is that because yeah. the other things mm-hmm. didn't show externally? Is that yeah. what that's supposed to that's be? That's what maybe? I got out of it, yeah. If we're stretching, or is it more like this would be a cool visual? So yeah, I think they opened it. her up and tattooed her inside and then put the skin back. Ah. Anyway, all this weird stuff about this yeah. body that doesn't yeah. add up. <laughs> One thing I liked, uh, I kept looking at throughout the movie as the you know tension build was it kept like zooming in on her face. One to probably not show so much nudity throughout, but it it her nose, the blood from her nose kept slowly disappearing and drying out, and um, or oh, I didn't even notice that started going back up into her nose very slowly, like way before any the rest of her body started healing from any of the wounds or anything else throughout. I thought that was like a really cool, subtle touch. Is with nice. That. Can I ask a mechanical question? Yes. Sure. Um, I'm not very mechanically minded. Um, I've had my AC go out a few times, and I'd never once thought to look in the vent to see what was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll admit that I have never done that either. <laughs> no, can't say I have. No. And if I heard noises in the vent. I would. I know there should have been a noise before he checked the vents. <laughs> but again, it's like, oh, we already had the cat in the vent. We got to find a way to set this up. Or maybe he's just as mechanically minded as I am. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Obviously, it's the vent. That's where the air comes out. <laughs> Rattling around in there like air does. Not John McClane in there. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and then we get to our other character, the um, the cat. Yes. Poor, kid, oh, poor, poor Stanley. Poor, poor, poor kitty. But you, I think, is well. I guess a couple of y'all had seen this more than once, but this is one I for sure want to go back and watch again. Just there was a lot of mental stuff going on to where it would show you one thing, but then as you got further along, you realize that how much of what they're seeing is actually just in their heads, and they're kind of being played. I, I like that aspect of it. Mm. Yeah, like like did he actually? Was there actually Bell person in the hall, or was it all in his mind? Yeah, because it was actually the girlfriend. Yes, yeah. absolutely. A lot. There's a lot of that throughout. Or when he goes um, to the smoke so, later. So we're we're also introduced to this uh, set of bodies in the morgue. Um, there's um, yeah. hole in the face guy, and no, was those the same lady. bodies from the house or a different set? I think those were just ones they had in the morgue. Okay, just those extras. Are the, the bodies that were in the morgue. Okay. Do you think that this film? is effective on a rewatch oh yeah yeah it was Mm -hmm. there were things definitely things i caught that i i didn't catch the first time yeah i think so too which is not something that that all of movies like this can be Mm -hmm. when when something's good not not necessarily every film um but Mm -hmm. when something's good like take your your the sixth sense you know it is Mm -hmm. enjoyable once you know the uh the twist to go back and watch it unfold with the knowledge sure yes that's that's a good comparison and yeah i remember wondering um especially after the the girlfriend um were these things ever really up and about or were were 
these things just being put in their heads. I mm-hmm. felt like a lot of it was being put in their heads because just from the scene with the girlfriend, there was a scene with the father where the guy was trying to escape at the end. The son was trying to escape. Oh, and the he father's sees his still, dad. Yeah. He sees his dad, but his, his father's still in the same position that he was killed in. There was quite a few scenes as I go back and think about it, but it seemed like it was more mental stuff that, that just... I like that when you... Because one of the cool parts about this is that your antagonist, this uh, girl, doesn't move. You know? Uh, She's completely lifeless. Well, 99% lifeless. (laughs) (laughs) From beginning to end. (laughs) Almost end, I should say. (laughs) They almost ruined it with that, actually. For me, they did ruin it. Now that I'm saying it, yeah, the toe wiggle kind of kind of ruined that. They should have left that out. With that little, where was the toe wiggle at the end? The The very end, yeah. Was that where? Yeah, at the very end, because what they're doing at the end there Uh, is uh, you're definitely you're definitely expecting a jump scare, like you're expecting this girl to finally you know come to life, and she doesn't. But then we get that toe wiggle, and it kind of kind of ruins it. That's it. But for most of the movie, they keep this up. And so if there had actually been zombies up moving about, that would have been kind of a cheat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I got to say, if they had just held the shot on the foot with nothing, it would have probably been more unsettling. Mm. Like for you to expect something to happen and then it just goes to black. Yeah. That probably would have been more unsettling than. That's where you in the movie, like, I can't believe they did that. They So it was when it kind of winks at you. Not just the toe wiggle, but also that that bell ring, the sound, the yeah, toe yeah. wiggle. That's that's it. It it killed everything for me. Or that's <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. What if what if you had like slight movement with no sound, no giveaway? That might have had an interesting kind of effect too. Because I'm, yeah. I'm with you. It didn't need a sound effect, at least. Gosh. So we get the X Men three ending with the. <laughs> <laughs> did the chess piece wiggle or didn't it <laughs> oh that was garbage <laughs> That's another i want to ask what was the creepiest part for each of you guys i'll go ahead and say um <laughs> well you're okay it was when that sheriff starts singing the song the turn from like it's the sheriff Ooh. to um, the son re- realizing that it's it's not what he out. thinks it is. Oh, that was that was scary. <laughs> you know, the thing that got me the first time I watched it, I watched it with like the lights off and everything, was the first. It, I believe it's the son that looked up at the mirror and saw something. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the mirror, and they don't oh, get like, it. like standing in the hallway. That yeah, yeah. but they don't yeah. show yeah, the yeah. definition. It's just kind of a silhouette. They don't even play it as like boom, boom, boom. It's just like he like sees it and you're like, holy crap, there's something in that. Because they keep showing that freaking corner mirror over yeah. and over and over. God, and then finally there's something different. Movies. You're like, <laughs> I think for me was when he, uh, the son saw his dad in the other room. I guess it was the back office, like a shower or something. Ah, uh, yeah. And you saw when the he's silhouette his hands from the sun. Up. You saw the silhouette from the son's point of view that the dad didn't see. And then he's like, oh, it was nothing like he did with the mirror earlier and then the whatever it was just flat out attacked um the dad after the door slams right he like saw a silhouette in the shower uh-huh. curtain yeah he flings it back it's nothing and then wham he got nailed yeah yeah I, I that was a good that. one that was really good for me i think it was the sound of the bell and the feet walking mm. Ooh, the, throughout the, the sound hallway. of those feet was sick dude yeah 
They just, just sounded like bloated, slap naked. Feet. I like that you yeah. could almost barely see maybe the feet coming, but mm-hmm. then you could definitely hear that bell as it. Yeah, good. Being being a parent with with children, I'm used to hearing that slapping foot sound, but the bell added <laughs> added added to the creepiness of someone walking down the hall late at night in the dark. I really enjoyed it because I like mystery crime shows like Bones and um, yeah, zombie, that stuff like that, and that are really focused in the lab or in that setting where they're trying to figure out that mystery. And this fit in along those lines, but it was more along those like supernatural kind of things to where it's not just straight like weirdo. Yeah, it goofy was a fun combination comedy. of the of the clinical and then the yeah. unexplainable. And I hadn't yeah. seen that too much. Yeah, in I like the way it writes before. that line. Like I say, it's almost uh-huh. like two movies competing with each other almost in like, a way. I'm like, I really like that mm-hmm. I Zombie, the comic and the show, but it's more on the comedic line. It's not, it doesn't take it as seriously as this I do does, like but... that you, you've got this team that's not really a Mulder. You've got two Scullies, okay? Yes. And eventually yes. <laughs> they get to a point where they just have to say, this, this is the X-Files. <laughs> <You know? Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we can't explain this anymore. <laughs> There, uh, something that that did bother me was the significance of open up your heart and let the sunshine in. No, okay. At this point, at this era in horror movie making, it was really popular to find an old creepy song and shove it into your movie trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I promise, that's that's it. That's that's it. <laughs> yes, just, I just do because felt that was it's a creepy overused. song in this context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, he had that idea in his mind of like, okay, he's going to try to open the doors and then the sheriff's going to switch and sing the song. That's it. Brilliant. I mean, oh, <laughs> so creepy. And it, it was so also the movie though, can too, happen. It was what he yes, called To it me, that was finally uh, like the consciousness of this evil almost talking to him. Well, yeah, I was wondering that too, because like it, um, he, he had mentioned when he was talking to his son in the elevator that he called his wife um, Ray because she was a ray of sunshine. And I was wondering, until it really played on the um, the radio at the very end of the movie in the car, I was wondering if that was something that she was just kind of using against them as well to trigger stuff with his wife and, and stuff, like maybe a song that they liked or something. But... No, it's just a horror movie trope of the era. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug, thank you, and good night. Man, I watched uh, Nosferatu, you guys, for the first time. And uh, I I really, really liked it. It's 100 years old this year. It's 1922. Gross. And uh, I really, really liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I find I like silent movies. You guys got me to watch that Charlie Chaplin. Silent movies are surprisingly effective. Yeah, I love the Charlie Chaplin movie we did. But I forgot the name again that has Smile in it. That was awesome. <laughs> I mean, Nosferatu was great. Did yeah, you watch you the like the more originalish one or the restored one? So this was actually Joe Bob Briggs did it on Shutter, hosted it, and it was like a restored oh, version. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 
it was super cool because he was talking about all the background of like how Florence Stoker tried to wipe it off the face of the earth. And it was really like a bootleg movie that was preserved by just fans of the film for uh, until she was dead, basically. <laughs> and then now it's finally had a proper restoration from all these like just people that care about the movie that kept kept it going. And even the soundtrack like has had different versions. And this was like the one that they originally did. Um, That's cool. The one on Shutter, at least. So he said, you know, at the premiere for it, it was like considered like an art house film, like all the arts community of Berlin came to see it. They had a live orchestra play it with wow. the movie. Oh, How neat. cool is that? Um, you know, Shrek, the guy that's Orlock, did his own makeup. Like that was like part of his background in theater. So he did his own makeup. He's only in the movie for nine minutes. <laughs> Orlock is only in the movie for nine minutes. And uh, he's he stays with it. was oh, it's so good. I, but then I really isn't Freddy Krueger only in the original Nightmare on Elm Street for like 14 minutes? Uh, yeah, he's barely in it. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. No, you're totally right. That's the way to do it. It is. It is. Unless it's anyway, Godzilla. I really need more Godzilla. You guys have got yeah, you always need more Godzilla. I need two hours of just Godzilla stomping on things. I want to do Cabinet of Doctor. Uh, in the face. <laughs> has anyone well, seen Cabinet of, both Doctor, yeah. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? Has anyone ever seen not. that? I have not. I, I have. Um, it's been a very long time since. Now I really want to watch that one, but that's like straight up expressionism. Like it's really out there from what I hear, but I want to watch it. So, but there's this thing that happened in Germany where it was like, it, the best movies were coming out of it was Germany, Holocaust. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh. So the best things, it, well, it is. Oh, the best soon. movies were being made in Germany. Too soon with you that. had World War oh, wait, I. I shouldn't have said burn crap. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. You had World War One. You had all this art community emerge after. <laughs> and then when Hitler seized power, it's like, you're going to make propaganda films. Thanks again, Germany. Or, yeah, I mean, you're going to make propaganda films or you're going to do nothing. And so all these mm-hmm. like amazing German filmmakers went to either Russia or California. So there's That's like a choice. Dispersion. <laughs> but, you know, he said at the first Cannes Film Festival, it was basically a propaganda film made for Hitler up against Snow White for the number one place in the freaking propaganda film one. Of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> like Disney didn't these German filmmakers the were that, that good. Point, so, um, <laughs> But anyway, it was really interesting to watch just as an aside.